So this is the Dr. Harold Miniature and Collectibles paid read. Is that what we're calling it? Okay, here we go. One, two, three, Dr. Harold, noted professor of collectibles with a PhD in Funko, has gathered the best of the best collections and collectibles in one online store. For the collector, Dr. Harold has action figures from McFarlane, Mezco, NECA, Marvel, DC, Bandai, and Ninja Turtles, plus Pokemon cards, retro toys, Dragon Ball Z, G.I. Joe, Mandalorian, Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones, Power Rangers, Strange Things, Rick and Morty, Transformers, Magic the Gathering, John Wick, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones. <gasps> oh boy, that's a lot. Also, board games, card games, and for those mystically inclined, tarot cards. DrHerald.MyShopify.com That's DrHerald.MyShopify.com Dr. Harold played varsity for the University of Retail Therapy, so he knows what sports fans want. Bobbleheads, Panini baseball cards, and collectibles for the NFL, the NBA, and the soccer leagues. Just just go now. DrHerald.MyShopify.com DrHerald.MyShopify.com You're going to love that new stuff is added all the time. So the treasure hunt for you can continue. Dr. Harold's Miniatures and Collectibles online, drherald.myshopify.com. Good evening, this is Orson Welles, your producer of a special series of broadcasts presented by the makers of Pabst Blue Ribbon, the Mercury Summer Theater of the Air. Tonight and every Friday night, Pabst Blue Ribbon presents you with a front row seat in America's favorite summer theater. So while America's famous producer, writer-director, Orson Welles entertains you, pour yourself a tall frosted glass of Pabst Blue Ribbon and enjoy at the same time great entertainment and this truly great beer. And now, Mr. Welles. Looking back over our years of broadcasting over literally hundreds of radio plays and productions, we remember nothing that we've done with more pride than the documentary we're bringing you tonight after some eight seasons for its first revival. This is our own Mercury adaptation of the account by Commander Edward Ellsberg of the disastrous first expedition to the Arctic, Hell on Ice. As retired chief engineer of our Navy, a fair share of honors have come my way. But I can only humbly hope that the name of George Melville may be a little remembered as one who served under Captain DeLong on the last voyage on the steamship Jeanette. I still read and reread my log of that trip, though the ink's been dry near 30 years. Here's the first entry. July 8th, 1879. 3.40 p.m. Pacific Time. Jeanette weighed anchor. Destination, the North Pole. Already below, Captain DeLong. Weigh anchor. I'll never forget them on the bridge together. George Washington DeLong, a scholarly-looking man with glasses commander of naval vessels for 20 years on the seven seas. And by his side, with her pretty head flung back, Emma DeLong. Chief, I want you to meet Mrs. DeLong before she deserts her husband. How do you do? Glad to meet you, ma'am. Mr. Melville, tell me, what do you think of a man who'd rather go off to the North Pole than stay home with his wife? <laughs> Being a bachelor, I can't properly say, Mrs. DeLong. Emma, the chief will think you really don't want me to go. Look, George, something I have for you. No, stay here, Mr. Melville. I want you to be a witness. Uh, silk flag. I want you to unfurl it. Well, the point farthest north. The point farthest north. 
The North Star door. I'll watch it and we'll be looking at the same thing. Things equal to the same thing. Remember your geometry, Captain. A brief embrace. And then DeLong was once more simply the sailor. For a few minutes, with strained eyes, I watched a white handkerchief fluttering across the water at us. And then, it faded in the distance. Of our passage to Alaska, there's not much in my journal. August 2nd, with the aid of a towhook baited with salt pork, the newspaper man, Collins, bagged an albatross. Crew none too pleased. The ancient superstitions of the sea persist even to the day of steamships. August 14th, course set north for northwest through Bering Straits into the Arctic Sea. And off the coast of Alaska, towards Wrangell Island. What is it? Take a head, Captain, on the river bows. Nice. Come on, swing her hard to lee. Hard to lee, all hands on deck. Ever amount to station. Clear her fast, ship. We're closing fast. No use. She won't clear it. Ice, 200 feet ahead. There it is. Strike the fire. We're going to strike. Hold steam, sir. Hold steam. that ice pack head on. Lucky for us, we had that 19-inch planking or the flow would have stove us in. As far as we could see, the pack was unbroken. Except in back of us, a narrow lane of open sea. Supper that night was a somber meal. Here was ice only 240 miles north of Siberia. Latitude 71 degrees 30 minutes where it had no business to be this time of the year. Finally, the captain, chewing earnestly away on his mutton, broke a silence that was almost as solid as the ice pack. Well, Mr. Chip, I think by morning we'll find a lead through this ice. No, Captain, we won't. Hmm. Seem pretty certain, Mr. Chip. What are the rest do you think? Dan and now, what do you think? You're, you're a navigator. Well, I think that Chinese cook's coffee is even worse than usual, sir. All water and no coffee beans. What do you say, Chief? Maybe I say I'm saving coffee, in case the ice pack holds. Collins seems to be able to drink his. What I drink is my own affair. Don't take it so hard, Collins. More coffee? Anybody? Next day, with broken ice piling up along our side, the captain gave the order to unship the rudder. So the end of the first week found us a rudderless ship, drifting with the ice pack. All chance of exploration gone. Stopped at latitude 71 degrees north, which had been reached in these same waters 20 years before by an ordinary sailing ship. This same day, the captain wrote in his log. Uh, The same faces at every meal. Same irritations pricking our nerves, the same routine day after day. No shore leave, no ports to visit, nothing but 
Endless ice. Drifting willy-nilly. A thousand miles from that pole, which... <laughs> in a blaze of publicity, we set out to conquer. December 1st. On board the Jeanette by now, we've told all our stories, read all our books, played all our games. Each morning we wake to the same faces, the same dogs, the same ice. We take the same exercise, make the same calculations of the drift. Eat the same food and return each night to the same beds. With the same conviction that... Tomorrow will be the same as today. December 24th. Our first Christmas Eve on ice. Say, how about some mistletoe over the rigging? Yeah. We might catch an Arctic mermaid, like Collie caught this albatross. Collins is my name. Oh, so it is. Excuse me. Well, uh, what about this? Holy mackerel, Irish whiskey. Hand it over, Chief. Here, first the captain. Oh, thanks, Chief. All right, here, I'll pour my own. Careful, Dan, now. You've only got one good eye. I can always see good enough for this. <laughs> that acts enough, Dan. I'm going to save some for the crew, you know. That's right. Here, Collins, how about you? Well, uh, what's it like? Uh, is it good whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> give Collie a written guarantee, Chief. Collins is my name. Uh, I'd give you another if I'd been your old man. Uh, don't waste any of that stuff on him, Chief. Oh, you can take your whiskey and go to the devil. Well, that's a nice Christmas thought. Oh, let's forget him. Can't help it, I guess. Say, uh, how about a toast? Yeah, if anyone proposes James Gordon Bennett, I'll follow Collie. <laughs> <laughs> Melville's got one. I can see it fizzing. Yes, I have. I propose a toast to Emma DeLong. Oh. Thank you, Melville. I couldn't say it, but I was thinking that, too. Emma DeLong. Emma DeLong. January 5th, temperature 57 below zero. Sun appeared for the first time since November... Today, Dr. Ambler had to operate on Dan and I's eye. He has to sit in the cabin without a crack of light. We take turns talking to him. We speak next summer and break up the ice. He, he likes to talk about that. February 1st, more trouble. I noticed Erickson, bosun of the crew and one of our best workers, was laying down on the job. Decided he was sick. Captain, I know been sick. I been watched. Who's watching you, Nels? What are you talking about? There been mutiny on this ship. Mutiny? There been mutiny, sir, on this ship, sir. Mutiny in the crew? Where'd you get this, Erickson? Yeah, uh, Captain, I tell you, it's been like I say. I've been asked to join, but no. No say yeah, no say no, so I've been watched. They got guns. They kill me for it if I tell. Erickson, what do you mean by they? Please, they look and tell they kill me. Now, look, I'm your captain. Do you know what disobedience means? Now, come on, who's behind this? It's been 
nobody hear us? Nobody's hearing us. It been Hassan. Hassan? Yeah, Chinese cook. Erickson, look at me. Now, right in my eye. Follow my fingers, I move it. Here. Yes, now over here. Follow my finger. Over here. We're going to see Dr. Ambler. But they been killed me. No, I won't let him, Nelson. I'll take care of you. But they tell you. I know, I know. Now, you take my hand, they That's tell it. You. That's a good they fella. They tell you. Now, come along. Come along. January 6th. Four months on the ice. Part of the crew sick. A blinded officer, now a seaman gone mad. What'll this ice do to us before this winter's over? Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to our Mercury production of Hell on Ice. And now, before we bring you the final act of this true life drama of adventure and heroism, Hell on Ice, here for a brief breather... It's Jimmy Wallington who says, For something S-W-E-L-L, swell on ice, there's nothing like blended, splendid Pabst Blue Ribbon. No, sir, especially if it's only a little chunk of ice wrapped in a square of burlap and stuck under the stern seat of a rowboat. Oh, boy, does it make a day's fishing the real McCoy when you can reach for a frosted bottle of Pabst Blue Ribbon and enjoy the familiar smoothness, the unforgettable taste you know. Not too heavy, not too light. But fresh, clear, sparkling as the sun on a summer lake. With a real beer taste coming through just the way you like it. Listen, folks. If your dealer can't always supply you with all the Pabst Blue Ribbon you'd like, keep on asking for those never less than 33 fine brews blended into one great beer. Blended, splendid Pabst Blue Ribbon. And now, Orson Welles brings you part two of Hell on Ice. On February 25th, after six months in the ice, we were still drifting, waiting for the thaw to free us. March 5th, first glimpse of sunshine, three minutes of bleak twilight, then darkness again. March 30th, temperature rising, noon reading, five above zero, ice still 14 feet thick. I turned back to my own records. Our hopes for what the summer sun would do are beginning to fade. It is July now. We find rifts in the ice at sundown and then see them knit again overnight. The days grow shorter. And with them, men's tempers. Mr. Collins? Mr. Collins, come here, sir. I have Mr. Chip's report that you failed to give him an observation. Well? It's in Chip's province to receive that information and enter it in the ship's records. I was going to write it on a piece of paper and hand it to you. Oh, Mr. Collins, I've issued an order for an hour's exercise. I've noticed for several days you've been cutting down the time. Today I'm satisfied you're doing it deliberately. And when you say that, I say it isn't true. I'm making allowances for your ignorance of naval regulations, but I advise you not to repeat that contradiction. When you charge me with violating an order, I deny it, and I'll repeat that as much as I please. That's enough, Mr. Collins. When we get back to the United States, I'll have you court-martialed. Meanwhile, turn in your instruments. Perform no further duties on this ship. You're under arrest. <laughs> Thank you. 
That second winter, the temperature reached 59 below. In May, we saw the sun again. June 10, my watch, 9 p.m. till midnight. 11 p.m., disturbed by heavy shocks drumming against our hollow hull. Those words were all I had time to write. I remember the captain rushed up on deck. At this season, even at midnight, the sun's above the horizon. We could see about 80 yards ahead. A lead had opened in the pack some 10 feet wide with cracks zigzagging across the surface of the ice, moving towards us. Then the floe split wide apart beneath us. The Jeanette lurched wildly to port and suddenly slipped off the ice into open water. We were thrown across the deck. The ship rolled like a drunken man. Shaking with fear, we waited the next move. At six bells, the pack started to press down that open canal. Slowly, it closed in on us, thick and jagged. And behind it, the push of endless miles of surging ice. On came the pack. The ice reached our sides, started to squeeze. We're sinking, Captain. Ice is coming through the side. What's that? Ice in the hole? Put down, Dan, and now you're an experienced seaman. Make your report to me as if you were one. And the seams are open below, sir. The sides will give way. It's only a question of minutes. All hands. Stations for abandoned ship. Ice, sir. Ice, sir. Ice, sir. Ice, sir. Ice, sir. Ice, sir. Man the dolly. I only brought part of them. She's still in fast. Skipper, better jump her than me. Man, step in. Over the side. Over the side. The last to jump was the captain. Scattered over the ice like flies, we watched the doomed Jeanette. Silent now, to gray. Thirty-three men cast away on drifting ice floes. Our fate totally unknown to the world we left two years ago. The impossible reach of relief. Five hundred miles away lay the Lena Delta. June 17, 6 p.m. We made our start course due south. Men and officers harnessed together, tugging at their mountainous burdens. Dogs unable to drag a single sledge. Dr. Ambler, far ahead, planting black flags to mark our course. Sledges sinking in weak ice. Dan and our blind, but pulling on a rope. Fell in open water. Pulled him out before he went under the ice. Lee and Erickson collapsed in their harness. One sled used for dragging the sick. Chip all in, tried to fling himself from the hospital sledge to save his weight, but we strapped him in. Chip cried like a baby at adding to our burden. Unloaded and ferried over open water. Dogs drown as color overturned. Only saved Snoozer. My favorite. By morning, we reached our two-mile flag. Tried to get some sleep. On again at evening, on the ice firmer. June 23rd. Dawn, the first sledge reached Ambler's 12-mile flag. Our chief. Yes, Captain. Come over here. Six days, we've made 12 miles south, right? Just about, sir. Well, we're 20 miles further north tonight than the day we started. Northwest drifts got us in tow. Are you sure? Don't tell anyone else. The men found out I couldn't get them to lay a hand on another sledge. They just sit here and wait to die. Look at this map. Back here is where the Jeanette sank, you see. 
And here's where we are today. That's right, 77 degrees, 43 minutes north. We're walking against the drift, and the pack's moving faster than we are. I'm changing our course from south to southwest. That way we've got a chance of reaching the edge. One chance in a hundred. We're going to take it. Well, Skipper, I'll cut a third off the rations. Good. The last 90 days instead of 60. I knew I could count on you, Chief. I always can. <clears throat> now, you... Remember, you're to be my witness at a little ceremony. The flag. For Sister Long's flag. Yes. The point farthest north. Yeah, we'll hope this is it. Hold the other hand, Chief. We'll unfurl it for, for Emma. I think she knew, Chief. Sure, Captain. The North Star. She's right over our heads. Things equal to the same thing. She'll be glad, Chief. Let's fold it up so nobody will know we had it out, or else they might guess the reason. Got any tobacco left, Captain? I could stand a pipe full. Don't feel like supper. Or is it breakfast? Hand your pipe over, I'll fill it up. Thanks, brother. Chief, this is a grand country to to learn patience in. The most we covered in one day was six miles. Some days, not more than two. And the men growing weaker every day from frostbite, scurvy. September 9th, 91 days after the sinking of the Jeanette, we reached the edge of the ice in the open sea. We crawled into camp, and then DeLong mustered his crew. Called the roll for the last time. That night, he held divine service. Even the sick joined him. Only Collins stayed in his tent. We pray thee deliverance to our homes, to thy continued service. Amen. At 7.30 on the morning of September 12th, we shoved off in our three boats for Cape Borkin on the Lena Delta. According to our charts, 96 miles of open sea. The third boat was under my command. By nightfall, we were left alone. Eleven frozen men in one tiny whaleboat in utter blackness. calmed. In the gray light, we saw land less than a mile away. But no sign of the captain's boat. The story of the last days of Captain DeLong and his men were pieced together many months later from the captain's diary from the ship's papers that were found in his camp. 135th day. Around October 1st, nothing... nothing to report... 136th day. Reached Lena Delta. 
Doctor says some of the men can't walk even a mile. They'll have to. Erickson dropped in his tracks, both feet frozen, flesh falling off his boots. We cut him some crutches out of the driftwood. Let me stay, Captain. Don't move me. My leg's been killing me. Crutches no use. I want only die. Get up, Erickson. Do you think I'm going to leave you? Come on. I'll carry you. Please, Captain. Up, I tell you, we're going on. Hundred and thirty seventh day. This morning Ambler shot a reindeer, men too famished to wait for fire, ate the beast raw. Gave bone to snoozer. My dog. Hundred and thirty eighth day, trapped by open water, have to cross and try to build raft. Men are broken. Can scarcely lift planks. I'd rather them hide. Hundred and thirty ninth day, raft completed, crossed water. Raging blizzard. Midnight Erickson died. Sea burial. First. First a prayer and then. Then sleep. 144th day. Today killed. My dog snoozer for food. He never whimpered. Too far gone. Alexei dying. Doctor baptized him. Alexa dead. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. Hundred and fifty second day, Mr. Collins' birthday. Forty years old. Food, willow, tea, and two old boots. 153rd day. Calm and mild. Snow falling. About sunset, Lexi died, covered him with Anson and laid him on a crib. Lee dying, ah, Sam dying. Doctor rubs their hands to keep them warm. Hundred and fifty-sixth day, found ship dead in the morning still. Sitting between the doctor and myself. Hundred and fifty-seventh day. Near end of October, very little hope. Sun said our Sam died. He still leans over his kettle. Can't move him. One hundred sixtieth day. Dressler died during the night, Ambler. Now weakening. God help us. 164th day. Hambler calls over to Iverson. Feels his pulse. Iverson dead. 167th day. Mr. Collins. Mr. Collins dying. Collins dying. The captain's last entry in that fateful book. No word of himself. His frozen fingers scrawled their last words. Mr. Collins dying. 
Months of searching finally brought us to that gale-swept hill. There I made out stiff and stark above the snow an upraised arm. The arm belonged to Captain DeLong, half buried in the snow. I figured he'd tossed his journal to safety on higher ground and his stiffening arm had frozen on the gesture and I was right. The journal was just above. His face was calm, as if his work was done. Atop a rocky promontory looking to the north, towering 400 feet above the great, great bay of the Lena Delta, and far beyond the reach of any possible flood, I prepared for my captain and his crew their final resting place among the Siberian snows, looking out over the Lena's great bay at the desolate cape below, which had witnessed their last agony, and northward across that polar sea which he had volunteered, given his life to conquer. DeLong and his men of the Jeanette lay at last beneath the huge cross on the rocky cairn where the fierce arctic gales they'd so often bravely faced mournfully wailing their eternal dirge. We just heard Hell on Ice a Mercury production be back to the microphone in just a minute. Let me again remind you to be patient with your dealer when occasionally these days he's unable to supply you with all the Pabst Blue Ribbon you'd like. He's doing his best, you can be sure of that. Yes, and here's something else you can be sure of. Every single bottle of Pabst Blue Ribbon you do get will, as always, be the happy blending of never less than 33 fine brews. Yes, every foaming, frosty glass you enjoy will, as always, have that famous Pabst Blue Ribbon flavor. Not too heavy, not too light. But fresh, clean, sparkling with a real beer taste coming through the way you like it. So keep asking for blended, splendid Pabst Blue Ribbon. And uh, I'd like to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, before signing off, that our cast included John Brown, Lorene Tuttle, among many other Mercury players, Elliot Reed, an old Mercury pillar, who comes to us through courtesy of Paramount Pictures, whose current release is the Hal Wallace production, The Strange Loves of Martha Ivers. Till next week, then... I remain, as always, obediently yours. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. So this is the Dr. Harold Miniature and Collectibles paid read. Is that what we're calling it? Okay, here we go. Dr. Harold, noted professor of collectibles with a Ph.D. in Funko, has gathered the best of the best collections and collectibles in one online store. For the collector, Dr. Harold has action figures from McFarlane, Mezco, NECA, Marvel, DC, Bandai, and Ninja Turtles, plus Pokemon cards, retro toys, Dragon Ball Z, G.I. Joe, Mandalorian, Star Wars, Star Trek, Game of Thrones, Power Rangers, Strange Things, Rick and Morty, Transformers, Magic the Gathering, John Wick, Harry Potter, Indiana Jones... Oh boy, that's a lot. Also, board games, card games, and for those mystically inclined, tarot cards. DrHerald.MyShopify.com That's DrHerald.MyShopify.com Dr. Harold played varsity for the University of Retail Therapy, so he knows what sports fans want. Bobbleheads, Panini baseball cards, and collectibles for the NFL, the NBA, and the soccer leagues. Just, just go now. DrHerald.MyShopify.com DrHerald.MyShopify.com 
you're gonna love that new stuff is added all the time. So the treasure hunt for you can continue. Dr. Harold's Miniatures and Collectibles. Online, drherald.myshopify.com. 